got to do it himself. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. And DeBrosa, young, safe, and Washington wins it. Taking nobody home, picked off by Miller, goes ahead, lanes on the other wing. He finds oh! We are live for another episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my host, Ben. Ben, how's it hanging? How's Mardi Gras treating you? How's the weather out there in beautiful BR, Louisiana right now? It's, it was beautiful here today. It's going to cool down a little bit this weekend for some, some prime Mardi Gras weather. Can't wait. I'm headed down there tomorrow. Oh, it's it's going to be a great weekend. Love to see it. Love to see it. Well, but you ben, did a great night last night. I, I did. I had a fantastic night last night. I, I can't get this grin off my face because I went up to Fort Collins in in a, in single digit weather in the snow under the conditions because I had to see David Roddy in person and I had to see Graham E.K. in person and I had to see Hunter Maldonado in person. And this Colorado State Wyoming game i i didn't know it was really a rivalry until this year when i started watching so much mountain west basketball and i watched the wyoming colorado state game in wyoming and wyoming had these like red white and blue jerseys on ben and they were I it just this. said one it said one wyoming and i was like I what this. the fuck is this so i looked it up well apparently this is a huge rivalry and there's nothing better than rivalries in college basketball. That's what makes college basketball so great. It's one of the things I love about this sport. And it's called Battle at the Border. Laramie and Fort Collins, it's only about a two-hour difference. And these teams, it's real hate. I mean, it is real hate. I was in the building last night. I mean, it's the classic, Ben, anytime they announce the starters – it's fuck immediate booze, immediate booze, immediate fuck Wyoming birds flying everywhere. It's great. I mean, the building was packed. It only seats about like 9,000. I mean, but it was packed. You could gamble at the game. You could get beer. You could gamble I mean, at the game. You could gamble at the game. Incredible. Yeah, I know it was unbelievable. Uh, so just, just what, what a, what a time to be in that in that building and uh david roddy's just as big in person if not bigger and he was massive last night for the rams because he really carried that team and it's it's just insane to me how someone like that 
because he he doesn't really have a position. He goes to Colorado State. You know, he's a three star, not not really heavily recruited. He was he was a football quarterback. He's he was he's six five two fifty coming out of high school, and he doesn't really have a position. But he's a hell of an athlete, two sport athlete. He's he's a competitor. He can he can do anything on the basketball court, and it really showed last night. He'll he'll get the garbage baskets where he just goes after the ball. He's super aggressive. He's going to go up with it strong, and then he can hit threes, and he can run pick and roll either as the roller or as the guy dribbling. I, I mean, he's incredible. The only thing I do worry about this Colorado State team is that offense gets so stagnant, man. When, when, when they when – they, do not have Roddy in the game, they get so stagnant. The only one who can really create their shot is Isaiah Stevens, the point guard. He can create their shot. The rest of them, I mean, they're shooters, no doubt, but it's it's rough. It is rough. As for Wyoming, EK and Maldonado struggled their ass off. Uh, I, I don't – Ben, you got to help me out with the coach's name um, for Wyoming. but Jeff Linder. Jeff Linder. Okay, well – well, I was yelling at Jeff Linder last night. I was right behind the Wyoming bench, and I was screaming at Jeff Linder because I had Wyoming plus six and a half. That's too many points. I won. Thank you, David Roddy. Thank you, David Roddy. But the whole squad was on Wyoming six and it, a half. It was awesome. We loved it. But, Ben, every single time Wyoming would throw the entry pass to EK, they'd bring the double from either baseline or from help, you know, from like close help side on the wing. And he would try to he'd keep just throwing the skip pass into the bleachers because they have a good shooter in zero with Jeffries. And Maldonado is a good shooter. And Dusel 21, was shooting well last night. Yeah, too. Dusel was shooting last, good last night, 53. And it, it like he he was throwing. How many turnovers did EK have? I don't have it pulled up, but I mean he had to have at least had four or five, just out of he my memory. Six. He had six. Okay. I, I mean, it was. He was throwing the ball into the bleachers every single time. And as a coach, they were leaving the short corner open. Like, tell your guy to cut. Like, please tell your guy to cut. Like, fill where the helper is helping too. Like, it's not it, – like, this is elementary stuff, coach. Like, come on. A- and I was screaming at him last night, Ben. He wouldn't listen until finally he did, and he hit the he hit Maldonado on the cutter. And also, Maldonado is – like – He's perfect for just the classic Villanova offense where you essentially have the guard initiate the back down because if you like that spot, well, then get your best passer in that spot. Like, it's a great spot to create out of, but if you have Ike, whose strong suit is not, you know, like creating, like, he's a great player, but he's not, he's not a great passer yet. He's yet. He's going to get there, but he's not there yet. And Maldonado is more than willing to just back the defender down. And he's like, an insanely good, one of the best passers I've seen in college basketball this yeah. year. And, and he's so crap. I mean, you, you told me this early in the year. And now that I, now that you told me it, I've had a chance to look at it in person too. He's so crafty. They're like he knows all the chicken wings, you know, all the elbow, like he's so, he's so good, good at, at, at targeting the kid who, might have yeah. two fouls in the first half or four late in the second half and just seeking him out and getting that last foul on him. Just those little herky-jerky movements, getting him in a bad position and drawing the foul. Absolutely. So it was a great game, though, man. I, oh, I had, yeah. I had a blast. All of that said, what, Wyoming 
didn't play well at all. Their two stars didn't show yeah. up and they were down two with a minute to go. I mean, right. I, I feel better about, I still feel better about this Wyoming That's team going it. forward. I just think they have more dudes. Jeffries is a dude. Malnado or Ike are both dudes. Dusel, probably one of his best games all season, but, you know, he can bring it. And so, uh, most of the other guys can play pretty good defense. And you're right, man. For Colorado State, it's really just Roddy. I mean, Stevens has had some big games this year, but none of the other guys really contribute offensively. The three other starters combined for two points last night. I hear you. But I, th- I really do think David Roddy is that good. He like, is, he is. But I still think if you have a great defender or if you have a great plan to defend him and you just force the ball out of his hands continually and Stevens didn't go for 30 on you, I still think you ever really – I mean, they scored 61 points in this game. And I know it was a really slow – I mean, Wyoming is going to play to a slow pace and keep everything at a slow pace. But, but, but that's, what, that's what I wanted to tell you is I, I don't know – if Wyoming makes the adjustment of having Maldonado initiate the offense, they do. They have most of the year. They I, have. I don't most know of what. The year. I don't know what the problem was. Was it because of Roddy was on Maldonado most of the time, or was he? No, he wasn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think he was either. So I don't no. know what the why they were. Is. They were. They were hiding Roddy defensive. Well, not really hiding him because he was the one who was helping. They just on didn't EK. want him to pick up the. No, foul. he was. He was the one helping on EK every time, pretty much. So, yeah, I but mean, they didn't want him on one of those to start. They just didn't want him to no, pick up unnecessary fouls. No. But so, most of the year, I've, I was if, impressed with Colorado State's coach. I'll say that. I was, I year, was impressed with him. Most of the year, they've gone to Maldonado unless they just have an absolute, absolute mismatch with EK and they'll just pound it to him and he'll score 20. But most of the year, it's been Maldonado on the block dictating play. But yeah, you're right. It was, it was a lot of EK. Yeah, but the last night was also a lot of Jeffries. Jeffries had it going. He's he's a good he's, shooter. He's I, the I like ultimate piece to fit with those two guys because oh, his, absolutely. his by far the best part of his game and all I've seen him do the entire season is just stand on the three point line and catch and shoot. And he'll let that he'll let it go from anywhere. He'll let that thing go. Oh, it, it doesn't matter if he's moving. He was no, he no, was no. sliding left, he has sliding right. Sunlight, it's uh, it going. Was, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, Overall, you know, I do kind of want to discuss the Mountain West real quick, if you don't mind. How, how many teams do you think they get in? Because Ben, now that I'm out I think here, getting in four. Well, okay, but now that I'm out here, these people are paranoid, man. I I, I uh, was they, I was walking only... in the concessions, and and both fa- both fan bases were very scared about their tournament chances. That was the vibe I got. Boise, Wyoming, and Colorado State are locks, I think, at this point. They would I have agree. to lose I agree. two really bad games, I think, to even be close to the bubble. San Diego State is firmly on the bubble, but I like how their resume is shaking out right now. I mean, I think they have some good wins on their schedule. You know, they had a, uh, they've had a Boise win. They've had a Colorado State win, and they get Wyoming this coming week, so... I mean, I, I like the way I like the way they're trending to, to close this season. And they the biggest thing on their resume, they don't have any bad losses. I want to say they don't have any. Yeah, they have zero quad three or quad four losses, which whenever you're looking at these bubble teams really stands out. If you have multiple quad three or quad four losses, like a Dayton team who has three quad four losses right now. I mean, those things just kill your resume. So I, I think. If San Diego State, you know, they got Fresno, Nevada, and Wyoming, 
and then they're going to play one of Wyoming, Colorado State, or Boise, you would think, in the tournament. So maybe if they can get two of those games against a Wyoming, a Boise, a Colorado State here going in, I think they're going to be in. But, I mean, you know, we always we always have these teams we think we're going to get in, and then, like last year, we have Oregon State and Georgetown win the conference tournaments. <laughs> so there's always going to be three or four less spots than you thought there was going to be. Absolutely. Well, you want to talk about the game you watched last night real quick? Yeah, I wish. And I, I do mean quick, please. I watched I watched two screens. I watched Colorado State game, and then I watched the LSU game. And, man, the first half looked like Will Wade just drew up in masterful game plan. It was all working well. You know, Toshiba was still getting it going. He was still getting rebounds and stuff down low. But on the offensive end, Xavier Pinson looked like his knee was back. And I don't know if as the game went along, he felt it more and more. But the first half, man, he was very explosive, getting around the corner, getting to the rim, hitting a couple step back threes, looked like the X of old before he got hurt. But the second half, you know, the tide just turned a little bit. Kentucky was winning all the hustle plays. Kentucky was winning every single loose ball. The Bryce Perkins kid they brought off the bench who had barely played since January. Just all hustle plays, tracking down offensive rebounds, tracking down loose balls, making some open jump shots. And it's okay to lose ball games, but the way they lost that game was whenever the tide was turning, they got their head down. They felt sorry for themselves. They got frustrated with themselves. They didn't believe in each other. They didn't believe in their team. And that's just not a great sign of a of a team going into this last couple of weeks, going to the tournament. There's just not a lot of resiliency, I feel like, with this team. Whenever things aren't going well, specifically Brandon Murray and Tari Eason like to put their head down. Tari, Tari was by far played the worst game all year, not just because he fouled out, but because of how dejected he was the entire game, how not inspired he was, wasn't fighting for the ball. I mean, it's okay to get blocked by Oscar Toshibwe. Lots of people get blocked by Oscar Toshibwe, you know, but he gets blocked, puts his head now, walks back down the other end of the court. I mean, it's honestly just ridiculous. Brandon Murray, we've seen this a couple times this last three months or three weeks to a month now where if things aren't really going his way in the game, he gets really frustrated with himself and his teammates and doesn't give all the effort that you've seen him be giving all this year. And it's really sad because the first couple months, I mean, I thought this kid stepped in and acted like a senior immediately, you know, always uplifting his teammates, acting like a leader out there. But this game in particular, man, he just a lot of head down, a lot of shaking his head at his teammates, just not a lot of belief, I think, in this team. But shout out to X and Darius. They came to play. They really played really, really well in the first half. Their shots didn't really fall in the second half, but uh, they came to play. They played really hard. I thought Gaines played okay, didn't turn the ball over, provided some good energy. He played okay. Mwani played all right, had some bad fouls again. I thought Efton actually played okay for what, you know, it was extended, extended minutes for him with Tari fouling out early, and I thought I, he, he battled. You know, he's not going to win the Efton Reed Oscar to Shibuya battle, and I saw a lot of flack him getting. But, I mean, I don't know what you're going to expect from a freshman against the best post player in the country, the best post player we've probably seen in what two, three, four, five years. I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky fans are talking about him as going down as one of their best post players in the school's history. I mean, he's a generational talent, I think really from his physicality standpoint, his rebounding standpoint. And so 
you know, Efton struggled with him, but I thought he battled hard. I was actually impressed with how hard he fought. He had a strip early in the game of him and then saved it in balance. I mean, he was really doing some good stuff out there, but I, I don't know what you're going to expect from him for a freshman in that kind of environment, playing that many minutes when he's not supposed to. But as a whole, I'm not very excited about the next game. They have Missouri at home. They have Arkansas on the road, and they have Alabama back at home. And obviously their resume still speaks really well for them, and they're going to get in the tournament easily. And if they win that Arkansas-Alabama game, they're going to be a, they're going to be off the 8-9 line. They're going to be a 7 or 6 or whatever. And if they win both of them, maybe they get higher than that. But that felt like a must-win game to me. If, if you were really going to be a tournament team, if you are going to be a, a – a threat in the tournament that had to be a must-win game you're a pressing basketball team you like to press the other team's ball handlers and they were missing both of their ball handlers it was it was a poor effort and they really didn't get the press going all that much which would very confusing me I, I don't know i don't know it was it was it was a very lackluster effort so everything you just said pretty much describes the risk you run when your whole entire defensive and really just team identity is built on turnovers and effort and communication and just pretty much outworking the other team. And that's your entire MO as a basketball team and really as a basketball program. And unfortunately that is, like that's the biggest risk, right? Like that that's the downside of of having a team built like that is that these are college kids and when they get down sometimes or they start accumulating losses or things aren't always going their way, maybe they don't always bring the effort and I completely get that. I mean like that's not it's not just it's not only basketball, like that's life, that's everything. Like I completely understand. But if your entire identity as a team is, is that, and is that effort and you don't really have much of an offensive structure or you're not like really a three point shooting team. It's not like, like we don't even get the offensive rebounds anymore, Ben. That's the, that's the thing that really worries me about this LSU team. If they even want to like make it past the first weekend is they don't really go after the offensive rebounds like they did in, in the past. And it's funny because I heard Wade say something like he he went a little crazy with the big men and he has too many big men, but. None of his big men rebound. It's exactly. Like, it's not. Darius, like, Darius is a good player for what he is, and he's a good rebounder, but he's your best rebounder on your team, which is just not great. I mean, on other teams with Darius, you've had Cavell, Big B. Williams, a really good rebounder. You've had Emmett Williams, a really good rebounder. You've had other guys that kind of formed the front court to really provide a presence inside on the rebounds, and no one has stepped up. Tari Eason is not interested at all in rebounding on either side of the floor. He and does so, not like to rebound the basketball. So, And most of the time, it's him and Darius out there in the front court. So you're really relying on Brandon Murray to stick his nose in on him, Wani on Fudge and all those guys. Pinson. Really... I mean, like, you're, you're literally like, like no, I mean, Pinson, don't get back. Try to, try to get this rebound, please. It's, yeah, that's, it's not good. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums up how we're feeling about this team is it's not 
good. I don't want to talk about the program right now as, as a whole. I know I saw some chatter on Twitter about that. I'll get into that conversation off season, but on to the NCA as a whole and this beautiful sport as a whole. Ben, who is your team of the week? My team of the week was the Yukon Huskies. Finally got over the hump. I believe that they had lost to Villanova five or six straight years. They had won a game against Villanova. They finally get over the hump. Finally, they played a great game from start to finish. Everyone contributed, and then they closed it out with R.J. Cole setting an actual charge. I'll give him credit. It was an actual valid charge that he set to win the game uh, against Connor Gillespie, who had a full head of steam going down full court. I'm still not sure why he got from rim to rim so quickly without anyone stopping him, but he did, and R.J. Cole set a beautiful charge. And uh, Man, it was a huge win. They also had a win at home uh, against Xavier. Uh, this week, so UConn kind of the opposite of LSU. Kind of have been the same team as LSU all year, dealing with injuries, having some bad losses, not putting out a ton of effort, but they're trending upwards now. I think with some good wins, they finally got healthy, just like LSU did recently. They finally got healthy, and uh, I mean, I I put a bet on UConn probably a month or two ago, uh, maybe to go to the Final Four, and I'm feeling pretty good about that. They just have a lot of bodies. They just have a lot of guys who can play basketball. They probably have eight, nine dudes who can play basketball. They all play great defense, and they have some guys who can get hot. You know, R.J. Cole can get hot on the offensive end. Tyler Polly is a really, really good shooter. And so I think I think, you f- I think you're feeling good about yourselves as you're the UConn Huskies going forward and, you know, still need to come out and finish this regular season out strong, have a strong showing in the Big East tournament, but they're playing really good basketball. Oh, also, did you see how uh, Dan Hurley got ejected from the game? That was that was pitiful. <laughs> that was that the was... most pitiful. That was worse than a block charge call I've seen all year. That was the most pitiful thing I've ever seen in my life from a referee. College basketball officials. That's what are you that's. Gonna do? Uh, I mean, I you know, I don't really watch much of the NBA until the playoffs because I don't think the players watch much of the NBA until the playoffs either. But some of my NBA friends complain about the officiating in, in the NBA basketball. <laughs> and like every time like I'll, I'll see like an NBA game at the, on at the restaurant or like a bar or, you know, just flipping through the channels. Those officials are incredible. The, I would oh Ben, I would kill for the NBA officials to 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 ref like big time college basketball. I think because- most of the most of the uh, reasons that people complain about NBA officiating is actually the players exploiting exactly. some of the rules. The players are too fucking like. good. Yes, like. Like the, it's the it's not the pl- it's not the refs no, it's, in the it's, NBA. It's the stupid it's the- rules that they're exploiting, like the CP3 shit, where he always gets the guy on the rip through, or the James Harden dumb bullshit. Like it's it's that kind of stuff yeah. that he that NBA fans don't really like about the officiating, but the officials have to call it because that's how the rules are set up currently. College basketball, it's just bad. Yeah, college basketball officials are just terrible. They want to make it about themselves. Yep. What and- is your team of the week, brother? You know, speaking about making it about yourselves, Ben, 
I'm going to make it about myself right now. <laughs> my team of the week is the Colorado State Rams because, you know, it's it's funny. You, you in the final four draft, you know, way back when, had Colorado State as a potential final four team. You were you were sipping that that green Kool-Aid down in Fort Collins. But now you've kind of swung over to Laramie and that beautiful brown and yellow that they have. Those beautiful, beautiful colors. Yes, <laughs> those great colors. Um, and, and you're more of a you're more of a Wyoming Cowboys fan now. But I'm gonna go ahead and adopt the Rams, and they're gonna be my team of the week because it was just it was that was a big win that they really need to i mean i think they could get to like an eight nine seed like i really do like it's not the question i think they're on the eight nine seed right now yeah like but if they if they go through the mountain west tournament and win it what do you think they are they'll be higher than that they'll be like a seven okay i just you know this team this team really impressed me um and by team, I mean number 21, David Roddy. Um, if you haven't watched this kid, got, kid folks, you just, just just go to YouTube.com right now. If you're sitting at home and type in David Roddy, Colorado State, and just, and just watch this kid. He is an absolute bowling ball. He can do everything, but he's not my player of the week. My players of the week, I should say, play up in Ken, Ohio. And it's sincere Carey and Malik Jacobs, Kent State, and really the Mac for that matter this year, Ben, is really having an up year. Everyone knows Mac football, but Mac basketball is here. And it's a it's a it's a pretty competitive conference. It's probably still gonna be a one-bid league, but that's gonna be a really good conference tournament to watch. I would definitely, you know, have that kind of if you're if you're like Casey, there's way too many conference tournaments. I can't watch them all. I would tell you, but you need to, but I, I get it. You know, you have responsibilities to completely understand the Mac conference, along with the Atlantic sun, along with the mountain West conference and a couple other ones are, we're going to give you as like the blue chip conferences to watch come March. So stay tuned for that. And, you know, I, I like to give those nuggets, man. I, I like to keep the people coming back, but anyways, back can, to my point. Kent state recently beat um, Ohio, correct? By a lot of points. Yes, they did. They're building something special in Kent. And Sincere Carey last night had 42 points, but his running mate, Malik Jacobs, he had a triple-double. He had 17, 11, and 10. And that was the teams and the program's first triple-double. Carey had 10 three-pointers, Ben. It was you know, pretty it, good. It, pretty not bad. Um, you know, And, again, Kent's got that awesome nickname, the Golden Flashes. So I, I, I love this Kent team. I'm going to adopt them as my, as my Mac team for the rest of the year. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, the Mac, we kind of all thought it'd be Ohio's to just kind of run through. But Toledo, man, has been really good in the Mac this year. And then you've had some sleeper teams step up like Kent State. And so it will be a really fun conference tournament, I think. And uh Hopefully we get a Toledo Ohio rematch. That's not a blowout because Toledo has blown them out twice in a row, and I think Ohio is very capable of a better performance against them. They're a lot 
they're just as talented as a team, if not more than Toledo. And so hopefully we get a third game where they actually show up. But um, I'm going to stay in the Big East for my player of the week, player who logged two 42-plus minute performances in the last two games, two overtime-plus performances, and two game-winning shots. And that's going to be Jared Bynum, Jared Bynum, probably the sixth man of the year in the entire country. He's kind of like Tari Eason, though. You know, he's, he's, he's a bench player, but he's not really a bench player. Plays plays all the crunch time minutes, takes all the big shots for this uh, Providence team that has way exceeded expectations. One game away from winning the Big East. Um, I can't remember. They have one game left, I think. And if they win it, they win the Big East. I'm not sure who they play, but Jared Bynum hit uh, the two winning free throws in the Butler game that they had won in overtime. They were down by 22 points in the second half, came all the way back to win that game, avoid that ugly loss. And then in the uh, Xavier game last night, just an absolute marathon three overtime game that was ridiculous. Uh, he put it away with about a 35 footer at, in 30 seconds left in triple overtime to win the game. So uh, shout out Jared Bynum. We haven't really talked about him this year, but he's been one of the best players in the country, to be honest, on one of the best teams in the country in Providence, or at least the top 20 team in the country, depending on how you think about them. But Jared Byam leading this Providence team that looks like undiscovered lands for their program. I think there was some stat I saw that they had, they've had like six 25 win seasons in their program or four 25 win season program and three, all but one of them have come in the last five years under Ed Cooley. So uh, he deserves a long look at, I think, for coach of the year. NCAA or Big East or both? Both. Uh, whenever you look at this Butler, de- I mean, this uh, Providence team, you don't, other than Jared Bynum, none of these players really stick out to me as like, wow, those guys are so talented at basketball, you know? And uh, you got to respect those teams. Well, Ben, you have a you know you have a little game for us tonight. What what do you have for us? What the you know in the theme of March coming up, it's right on the horizon. It's February twenty fourth, be February twenty fifth, twenty twenty two, the year of our Lord. When you'll be listening to this, hopefully, like, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff. We got a little bubble watch tonight. Yeah, so the bubble. Man, I've been doing the bracketology every week. The last couple weeks, it's gotten really difficult. The bubble has become extremely confusing. There's teams with there's teams with no quality wins and no quality losses. There's teams with a lot of quality wins and a lot of terrible losses. So it, it's just really confusing. So I I looked at I think I put down about 14 teams here that are squarely on the bubble. Each one of these teams has work to do to to make it in. Some of these teams are looking better than others right now, but uh, just a really interesting bubble picture. So I kind of contextualized it and uh, and put down, you know, their net rating, their quality wins, their best wins, their worst losses, and uh, if they have any opportunities left to, to get some more quad one wins. So the first team I want to look at is a team that the metrics hate, and that is Rutgers with a net of 80 and an RPI of 86. But five quality one wins, five and four in, in uh, quadrant one, three and four in quadrant two, two and two in quadrant three, and six and one in quadrant four. So also some bad losses thrown in there. 
the worst one was early in the season. They played terrible the first month, two months of the season. They lost at home to Lafayette, not even Louisiana Lafayette, the other Lafayette, who's much worse. Uh, but um, the theme as we've been going on this year is Rutgers at home in Piscataway. They've been getting huge wins. They won against Purdue, Ohio State, uh, Illinois, I think Michigan as well, and Michigan State. I couldn't even list them all. There were so many, so... Rutgers, I think, is a really interesting team. You know, Ron Harper Jr. taking after his daddy. He's a big shot guy. He takes all their big shots. He's just a born bred scorer. I mean, I think if they get in, they can be dangerous. They can be one of those Syracuse teams kind of that gets in and just gets hot. Syracuse does that shit all the time. They get in as a first four team or whatever and gets a run. I I really like that they had the experience of last year where they easily could have gone to the second weekend as a double-digit seed. And um, I, I like this Rutgers team, and I think the quality wins are going to overshadow these uh, these terrible losses, especially because they were all early in this season. They do have another big game against Wisconsin at home, another chance to get a big home win to uh, add to their Quadrant 1 resume. But uh, what do you think about Rutgers, Casey? Early in the year, Ben, you try to tell me this Rutgers team, they're going to make the tournament. I, I told you you were a fool, essentially. I didn't, I didn't trust this Rutgers team. I didn't believe in this Rutgers team. But I have kind of seen light. That being said, they're going to need a huge conference tournament. You think so? I do. That's the problem. I, I think they need they need to stack a couple of wins in that conference tournament. I don't see them doing that. So I'm going to say no. They're too low in the net. They're 80 in the net. They're 86 in the RPI. I went on to, to Ken Palm. I was like, well, surely Ken Palm's got him way higher. He had him like 72. I, I don't trust him. Yeah, I... I mean, it's one of those things of it. What is the committee going to favor more in their case? Is it going to be the metrics? Is it going to be their eye test? Because they've been one of the better teams in the Big East for the last month, month and a half. And uh, it does seem like the committee favors momentum, where if you play better at towards the end of the season and you had all your bad, kind of like college football, where you you had your bad losses at the end of the season, your good wins at the end, you get a little bit better favoritism from the committee, but I don't know. I don't know. I The metrics can be hard to overcome. Look at a team from the Big Ten as well, though, that is very good in the metrics, and that is Michigan with about the same record as Rutgers. 15-11 and 11 for Michigan right now. They're sitting at 33 in the net, 38 in the RPI, 3-7 and seven in quad one. Uh, games three and three in quad two, five and one in quad three, no losses in quad four. Their t- worst loss this season by far was at home to Minnesota. They won at, uh, I want to say they won at Purdue. No, they won at home versus Purdue, and then they lost also on the road to UCF, which it's not the worst loss in the world, but it's definitely not going to look good on the resume. They too, they still have two big, big games left against Illinois and Ohio State. So uh, some more opportunities for them to get going. But 
right now they they've been all season looking like a metric startling, and so I mean I think they're well positioned to get in. Obviously they're gonna have to overcome Juwan Howard being suspended, but I, I think they're looking good right now. You were asking, what is the committee value? I think the committee values not having controversy. And I think they're going <laughs> to actually look at that stuff. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I thought you were going to go the opposite way with that, brother. I thought you were going to be like the committee values overcoming <sighs> adversity. They could. I could see that, but. I don't know. I, I really, I really think there might be something to that. Like the committee, you don't know what the hell they do. As much as we like, might like to make fun of this, the college football committee, the NCA tournament committee is absolutely insane. And um, I was going to say something about uh, Dick Vitale and and how he always complains about. You know, teams that, that don't get in, like Dick Vitale will literally list like, you know, 20 teams that didn't get in, all from the Power Five, may I add. Like, and what about the team that went eight and 24, but they were some scrappy kids? But um, I remember he is currently battling. Uh, yeah, no Dickie V jokes anymore. So, so no Dickie V jokes, but um, I, I will say Jawan Howard's going to be back for the Big Ten tournament. So they'll have him back for a couple games there. So maybe the committee forgets about it a little bit. I don't know. The metrics love Michigan. The metrics have loved Michigan all season, even when their record was bad and they didn't have any good wins. So I, I don't even know what to read into that. I don't, I like, I need to analyze the metrics because I don't even know why the metrics like Michigan. There's not a lot to like about Michigan. It may, it makes no sense. But uh, move on to another team that the metrics really like out of the West Coast Conference. So that's going to be San Francisco with a net of 27 and an RPI of 31. The only reason I included San Francisco on here is a, a lot of bracketology around around the interwebs has them, has them as first four in or first four buys. Uh, I'm not convinced. I, I think the San Francisco team has done enough. And uh, I think they if they would have knocked off Gonzaga in one of these games, they would be well well in the tournament but uh they, they lost both times they were very competitive i will say both games they, they had some bad losses early in the season they lost at green canyon and uh they lost a couple weeks ago at home uh, at home to portland which is just an absolutely terrible team but uh <laughs> early in the season they beat some other good uh mid-majors in uab and davidson and neutral sites so they got that going for them. They've had a pretty good record in the West Coast Conference. They have four quality uh, quadrant one wins, one quadrant four loss to Portland. So uh, I think San Francisco's a lock. What do you think? Another thing that committee cares about, Ben, money. San Francisco, not a huge draw. I got them out. There's, there's too many notable teams on the bubble and the committee has proven that they ha hate small conferences and they really hate the WCC. So I, I don't see San Francisco getting in. Okay. Well, let's move on to a very notable team then. And uh, North Carolina here sitting with that net of 41. One in seven in the quadrant one games. 
four and quad two, ten and quad three, and five and one in the quad four. With that quad four loss being at home to Pittsburgh, quite possibly one of the worst power five teams in the country. And uh, earlier in the season, their one quadrant one win that has become a quadrant one win as Michigan started to play better was a home game versus Michigan, which they slaughtered them. They do have their last game of the season at Duke, a chance to pick up a, a really good win. But the first time they played Duke, they just looked absolutely outclassed. I mean, it was a boat race from start to finish. Thoughts on UNC? You think the committee is going to leave the UNC Tar Heels out of the tournament? There is no chance, Ben. Of course they're getting in. Like, I am I am always pro-small guy. Like, I want San Francisco to get in, like, over UNC. Like, I'd prefer them. I'd prefer the Dons get in over the Tar Heels. But it's UNC. Like, of course they're getting in. And the metrics, you know, they reasonably like them. Which makes no sense. Makes no sense. But, hey, they, they win the games they should. So there's something to that. Except the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, the Pittsburgh game was a uh, an awful loss. Their that second was... best win is probably at Virginia Tech. It's just not a very convincing resume to me. And I think whenever this we is get... a terrible team, I, I, I went in on record. They, this UNC team's terrible. They have some good guards and they can shoot the basketball and score the basketball. Baycott's no playing better. They play absolute. Look up on Kim Pond what their defensive rating is. They play absolutely negative defense, and especially when they've played the good teams this year, absolutely terrible defense. Just, just absolutely abysmal. They're actually ninetieth. That's very which... surprising. I think, I think the bad. Whenever they play the bad teams, they do pretty well. But any team of any offensive quality at all this season has absolutely slaughtered them. Yeah, Louisville had 83. That's not good. Wake Forest had 98. They played Tennessee. They played Tennessee early in the year and they got Kentucky had 98. Yeah, that's not great. (laughs) That's not great. All right. Yeah, no, I I still got them in though. Okay. Well, we'll move on to another Power Five team in uh, Texas Christian University sitting here with the net at 54. Four and six in quad one, four and three in quad two, three and oh, six and oh in the quad three and four, playing in that really, really vaunted Big 12. They haven't really been able to knock off any of the great teams in the Big 12. Um, they did get a home win versus LSU and at Iowa State win. I put on here a bad loss on neutral court to Santa Clara. I don't think that's really a bad loss, but that is their worst loss, probably. Again, like UNC, they've won a bunch. I mean, they have no quad three and quad four losses. They won almost every single game they're supposed to. Just haven't really been able to get those statement wins they can stand over. I guess you could say that LSU win was a statement win, even though day by day now it's not looking great. But, uh, I mean, I think really TCU, their hopes are going to hinge on the Big 12 tournament. I think they need to avoid bad losses and knock off one of the Kansas Baylor, Texas Techs, Texas, one of those teams. I think if they can get a win over one of those teams, they'll solidify their place in the tournament. First four in. They're in, okay. they're in the play-in game. You you think they get a big win in the in the Big 12 tournament? 
I do. And I also think they might squeeze out this Texas Tech game. Really? They, yeah, just they I, also uh, have two games versus Kansas left. Yeah, like I to me, they're gonna squeeze out one of them. Like there's too much talent on that team not to. I, I really like this Texas Christian University team. Um, you know, I love Jamie Dixon. Big Mike Miles guy. Big Mike Miles guy. Very good so, basketball player. I just I, I mean, I get it, you know, the wins haven't really piled up, but they're probably going to be an 11 seed and they're going to do the plan. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to a team that has really looked safe the entire year until very recently. And that's the little Chicago Ramblers sitting here with a net still very good at 29, only two quality, uh, only two quadrant one wins on the season, three and three in quad two, seven and one in quad three and nine in quad four. I mean, they had that neutral court win, which is San Francisco is really good, but they've taken some not great losses here in the in the MVC. They lost both games versus Drake, and then they lost on the road to Bradley here recently. They do have a game at Northern Iowa at the end of the season who's actually leading the MVC, so a chance to pick up a, a good win. I mean, it's not an incredible win. It's not going to look great on the resume, but it's going to be a solid win to keep them going into the uh, conference tournament. You think the Ramblers did enough early season to – to get in see this is so this is so conflicting for me ben because it's a small conference but it's a team that has kind of captured the brand and more importantly captured the bag and really it all it all comes down to the bag and i do think this loyola chicago team gets in i mean look at look at their non-con you know, I mean, they 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 went out there and they played Michigan State, and I think the committee looks at the fact that they went to a neutral site, they played Michigan State, they lost by two. They went to a neutral site, they played, they played Auburn actually pretty well, and they lost by nine. And the committee says that's a team that is marketable. That is a team that is right now 29th in the net. Um, what are they in the RPI? I don't have the RPI on me, but they're 28th on Ken Palm. So, I mean, that that, that gives you kind of they have, they have where, metrics. Yeah, they have fantastic metrics, bottom line, right? Th- their, their wins are San Francisco, Vandy, Arizona State, which is eh, DePaul. But it's like mm-hmm. at least they're playing – to me, at least they're playing big-time schools and taking it to them. So, like, they went – to Vandy, which is uh, the weirdest court ever. So I always think that matters for something. And they beat Vandy, who's, you know, we talk about we, we talk about all the time when we go over the SEC how dangerous Vanderbilt is. So, yes, I get it. They lost to Drake. They lost to Bradley. They lost to Missouri State. But I think ultimately the committee is going to look at that and say these are just classic Missouri Valley, you know, being a little scrappy conference losses the missouri valley is is a is a high-end mid-major conference the committee's going to look fond of it and they're going to put this loyal chicago team in for sister gene because that's what they care about the bag they have a history of having really really strong performances in the conference tournament and i think they'll roll out a really strong performance again and at least get to the title game if not win the uh championship so yeah Yeah, i I don't even i don't even think they're going to really 
be on the bubble because they probably do win. The no, games. but by, by the by the weekend of the conference tournament, I think we'll be feeling really, really good about Little Chicago getting in. Um, the next team I don't feel really good about getting in or them ending the season, and that's the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, a net of 42, two and six in quad one games, three and four in quad two, three and oh, and eight and oh in quad three and four. Their worst loss this year was at Northwestern, and they did pick up a home win versus Purdue this year. They also played Purdue on the road to end the season. Another team kind of like TCU that just, I mean, they got the Purdue win, but other than that, they've had a lot of chances in this conference. That's absolutely loaded at the top end with ranked teams and really good teams, and they haven't really been able to capitalize on any of those games. If the committee doesn't put Michigan in, I think Indiana gets in. So in the scenario I've now just played out in my head, going over this with you, I I think Indiana has to get in, especially if I'm going to be all about the brand. And ultimately, it's Indiana basketball. There's no, you know, I mean, there's a lot of brands bigger now, but like, Back in the day, for the old heads that want to watch basketball, Indiana basketball is basketball, right? And them in Kentucky and Kansas. So I think they get in. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts the team on his back for a little tournament run in the Big Ten and, you know, stacks a couple of quality wins. So, yeah, I'm going to say Indiana actually gets in. I think they need, they're going to need another win to stack on their quad one record. I just don't think two quad one wins to go with a less than 500 quad two record is going to be enough to get them in. I think they're going to have to win this Purdue game in the regular season or knock off one of those top five teams we've been talking about all year in the tournament, in the conference tournament to get in. I just do not convinced by their resume as it looks. Fair enough. All right. We're going to move on to a couple of uh, AAC teams here in SMU and Memphis. Kind of similar-looking resumes, a couple of good wins. They've each got a win over Houston. Just some weird results in the quad two games and some bad losses. SMU lost to Loyola Marymount to start the season, who has been an absolutely terrible team all year. And uh, Memphis lost to Georgia and Ole Miss and East Carolina. But of course, Memphis is sporting that Alabama win. Let's go along with their Houston win. What do you what do you think about these two teams, Casey? Kind of the yeah. same in the metrics too in in the mid forties. Yeah, it's um, it's tough because the AAC is is kind of down this year, with the exception of Houston, who Houston, I mean. Look, it is what it is at this point. I got to give credit to Kelvin Sampson and and that program because they're just they're just fighting through adversity and they continue to win and they continue to stack up uh, wins. So even if I don't believe in them, they really don't give a shit. So I respect that and they're a great program. But with the exception of them, the AAC is kind of down. Like Wichita State has really taken a step back since Greg Marshall, rightfully so, was removed. And Memphis and SMU have kind of started to risen up. Um, And the reason for that rise is is the bag dropping. Pretty much both of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say SMU... doesn't get in 
actually, you know what? No, I, I, I think they both get in uh, because ultimately the committee looks so fondly of you playing those, you know, those like just any sort of power five team. Um, granted, like they lost, you know, they lost Missouri, they lost Oregon, which are, you know, not great losses, but they did play Vanderbilt. They beat Vanderbilt. They got a quality win against Van, uh, Dayton. So yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say SMU gets in. The non-con's not great, but I I, I like I like the AAC to to get at least three bids. So Memphis is gonna be my third one, and that's entirely off of that Alabama win, really. And you know Virginia Tech was another great win for them too. So. Yeah, I, I I think I think Memphis gets in as well. I think both of these teams are going to need. Uh, they both play Houston in the season. One uh, SMU on the road, Memphis at home. I think they're going to need to pick up one of those wins or a win against each other in the conference tournament. They just have a lot of bad losses, man. Uh, both of these teams. Uh, I just think they ha- need another really good win to kind of end the season on a really good note and and push them over the top. So I don't think one of them gets in. I only think one of them. I don't think Houston loses both of these games. Um. Well, I, yeah. I mean, they both beat they both beat Houston already. So. Oh no, they they can they can definitely do it. I mean, that's 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 like that's pretty impressive wins and i think the committee does care a little bit more about the wins versus the losses so they do i I got them both in all right well the last three teams are all gonna be west coast teams we'll start with san diego state who has been scorching up the uh the net recently making up the 31 now with three and six in quad one, two and one in quad two, five and oh, seven and oh in quad three and four. So no bad losses. I didn't even put any on here because there was really none to recognize. They have a win versus St. Mary's and a win versus Colorado State. A absolute thumping they had versus Colorado State. And uh, they finished the year at Wyoming, which is a great chance to pick up another quad one victory for them. And uh, as we've been talking about, this Mountain West Conference tournament is going to be just a war. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities to pick up really good wins going in. And I feel really good about the San Diego State team going in. They could have they could have beat uh, Boise there night as well. So I feel good about them getting into the tournament here. Yeah, absolutely. I I love this Mountain West Conference. To me, they they deserve four teams, maybe even five. If Fresno State kind of you know gets their act together but i don't think they will so yeah i definitely san diego state and and san diego state they are they're just a team that if you come march no one wants to play san diego state i don't care who you are like kentucky duke kansas auburn like no one wants to play san diego state they are absolutely hell defensively you do not want to play them and you know i mean matt bradley he's he's enough of a go-to guy you know especially from the three-point line to to kind of carry the offense a little bit but their entire mo is is entirely predicated on their defense and they're definitely getting in and they're going to be hell for whoever they play i agree i agree um Remember the West Coast Conference, we have BYU 51 in the net, 3-5, and 4-3, and 3-0, and 7-1 and with that quad four loss being a really ugly one at Pacific the other night. 
they also have a shot. loss at Utah Valley. Wins over Oregon, St. Mary's, and San Francisco. I agree. I think they're going to have to pick up one or two win- big wins in that conference tournament, which they're they're capable of. They have a big-time player now, Alex Barcelo. And they have some other good pieces. They can really shoot the ball. But, yeah, I think they got to win a couple more games. Yeah, the, the quad four losses are just they're they're awful losses. I mean, there's there's just no run around about it. They're they're terrible losses. Pacific's I don't really absolutely see, terrible. I don't <laughs> I really see I don't really see them doing anything in the conference tournament. Um, so yeah, no. They've been really getting out physical uh recently. They've been really getting uh just out worked out tough a little bit. So yeah. I don't like the direction they're headed. The last team I literally just put on here right before we came on because they got another huge win in conference against UCLA. So now this is two wins against UCLA, a win at USC, and uh, that's those are their three quadra one wins. And this is Oregon we're talking about here with a net of 67. Now we'll move up in the morning with this win, so I expect it probably be in the 50s, uh, four and three in quad two, three and three in quad three, which is – not great and then seven and quad four they've lost on the road to arizona state and stanford and at home versus california and after that on the road to arizona state loss last week i had written them off until my friend ford i i've written them off they're not making the tournament and then they come right back and get this win against ucla so i don't really know what to think with this working team my parents always told me follow the money follow the bag right to that nike check symbol the Oregon Ducks are getting in. Uh, the committee also doesn't like to like to say this, but if you don't think that they remember past tournaments, they a hundred percent remember past tournaments. They remember this Oregon team last year. They remember the Pac-12 success last year. Oregon's definitely getting into this tournament. Those wins against UCLA are massive, especially the U- USC win. I mean, yes, the the loss to Arizona State, the loss to Stanford are pretty bad but they play Baylor close so I just yeah I mean I, I I think they I think they definitely get in they've been they've been pretty dangerous in conference play so 11 and six is nothing to to, to you know throw your nose at and they, they got three games that they can win and I wouldn't be surprised if they win at least two of them so yeah Oregon's definitely getting in I think I would lean towards that as well. They also finished up the year against USC against, and they're a really good chance to pick up a good win. But, um, yeah, just interesting, interesting bubble. I just wanted to go over it real quick. The resumes are just – maybe this is the only year I've been thinking about it just because I've been doing bractology. The resumes are just all over the place. They're just nuts to look at and compare to each other, especially these teams all across different conferences. It's, it's just crazy. Um. Casey, I just have five games here. You want to rapid fire pick these big games for the weekend? Uh, they just happen to be absolutely massive blockbuster games. So we're gonna start in Fayetteville, Kentucky at Arkansas. Can we can we set lines? Yeah, go for it. All right, Kentucky at Arkansas. Give me. I, ex- I expect Washington and Wheeler to come back in this game. I do too, and give me Kentucky. By two road favorites. What would me, you set it at? Give me Kentucky by three. Yeah. Um, and I would actually take Arkansas to win this game. 
I think Arkansas is going to pick up a huge win and they're going to peak too early and lose early in the conference in the conference tournament probably or even in an NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I do think Arkansas gets this win though. I think I, I like Kentucky in this game. I think if Wheeler and Washington come back, they get a huge shot in the arm from a playmaking perspective. And um, I really think the time without them, they've had time to shore up their defense and really work on their defense. So I think, I mean, it's the old adage of, you know, you, you're missing your good players during the season, your other guys step up. So when they come back, you know, those other guys play even better. But I really think so. I think that uh, that Toppin and the uh, Keon Brooks have really gained a lot from this. I had a lot of offensive responsibility on them, and I think they're going to uh, flourish in the tournament, and I think it really starts here at Arkansas. All right, the next game's also in the SEC, Casey, another huge one, Auburn at Tennessee. Jeez, man, you're not kidding. Massive games. Give me Auburn three and a hook, and I think – Think Tennessee takes this one. I'm going with the I'm going with the home dogs this week. Um, until Bruce Pearl shows me that he understands Jabari Smith is the best player on the court, I don't think he actually knows that. So, I I like Tennessee. I agree. If I was an Auburn fan, I'd be going nuts over these last couple of games because obviously Bruce Pearl thinks Wendell Green's the best player on the team, and I don't think anyone else watching basketball thinks that. Uh, give me. I don't Auburn. think Wendell. No, I'm sorry. Wendell. Wendell Green definitely thinks he's. And <laughs> no matter who he's playing, uh, you're, give you're me right. Auburn minus. I think it's be low. I think one and a half. I think they're gonna have a lot of respect to Tennessee here at home, and I agree. Give me Tennessee in this game. I don't like the way Auburn's been playing the last couple weeks. It's almost like they're bored out there, and the games just keep getting bigger, Casey. Because now we're gonna move to the Big Twelve for Kansas at Baylor in Waco. Oof. Man, I'm not doing shit Saturday. When are these games? I don't know. They're all Saturday, though. Well, I guess we have to preview a six game, too, by the way. Um, oh, man. Give me, give me Baylor favored by one and a half. That's what I was going to say, exactly. And give me Kansas. Think, I actually think Baylor wins this game. I think this is gonna wow. be a huge emotional spot for them. I think I what's don't know. The, what's the health status on everyone? I mean, so, I, I know it's I know it's Crier has Flagler has come back. Crier hasn't been playing recently. I think he's close. Hopefully he comes back for this game, but I just think Waco is gonna be on fire for this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they pull it out just on pure emotion. All right, we're going to move over to the West Coast, Casey. Gonzaga, after passing a tough test against San Francisco tonight, on the road, they go on the road again to an even tougher test at St. Mary's. Oof. St. Mary's team we haven't talked about much, but it's building a great resume this year. I, I expect them to be like a six seed or higher. Gonzaga seven and a uh, no Gonzaga eight nine nine and a hook nine and a hook. Yeah, Gonzaga was favored by ten and a hook, I think, tonight. So give me eight and a hook, something like that. And uh, 
I expect mo- mostly like these San Francisco games for St. Mary's to hang in there for three quarters of the game until Gonzaga pulls away. And uh, I think they're going to win about double digits again. I agree. Definitely take Gonzaga. If it's below 11, I'd say Lamb. Same. Uh, we also have USC at Oregon. Oregon team coming wow. off this UCLA win, looking for another huge win. You think they pick it up? I have no idea who's favoring this game. Um, I think it'll be Oregon minus a point. And I think they yeah. pick up this win. I think uh, Dana Altman has got their attention after that bad Arizona State loss, and I think they continue rolling here. And I don't like the way USC's been playing recently either. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this USC team. It's got no pop to it. It's got no. No. It's got no. I just mean, they, nothing. they brought in no Boogie Ellis. They, got, they brought in Boogie Ellis to kind of be that guy. He's not really been that guy. And then your other guys. Oh, his name is escaping me. The shooting guard. Uh, whatever his name is. And then not Isaiah. Drew Peterson. Drew Peterson. Yeah, he's just not that guy. I mean, he's just not. And then. Yeah. You're relying on Evan. I mean, on Isaiah Mobley to act like Evan Mobley. It's just, it's just, it's just not working. You said you had yeah. a six game. I do. I'm a six game. Um, and you know, not to make it about me, but I'm gonna make it about me. I'm gonna go scout Ben. I'm going to Boulder to watch the Colorado Buffs play. Uh, respectfully to our friend Shane. Shane, if you're listening to this, thank you. Um. But I, I don't really care about the buffs. I mean, I'm sure the atmosphere is going to be fun. I'm excited to see it. But Arizona's coming to town. And this Arizona team is a fucking buzzsaw. And just the way they play, I I have to go see them in person. So I, hopefully I don't I don't miss too much college basketball. Games at six. Um, I'm hoping some of these big games happen during the day. They probably won't. But if they do, I'll definitely be catching them. So give me Arizona 12 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say Arizona 13. And you know what? I'm going to lay them. I'm going to lay them too. I love this Arizona team from Creasa to Matherin to, uh, oh, shoot. What's the center's name? Oh, Kalongo or whatever his name is. And then the- don't forget Kirk Creasa. That's what I said, Creasa and Matherin oh. uh, in the backcourt. The thing I love about this team are the, the two European forwards just running up and down the floor with all their size and physicality. I mean, right now, I, I'd like Arizona more than Auburn. I think Gonzaga and Arizona are probably my top two teams in the country right now. I love the way Arizona's playing basketball. Yeah, so uh, Baylor, Baylor, Kansas is going to take place at 8 Eastern. Kentucky at Arkansas is going to take place at 2 Eastern, so I'll be able to catch that. Auburn at Tennessee is going to take place at 4 Eastern, so I'll be able to catch that as well. That's exciting. And then Purdue, Michigan State is going to be 12 Eastern. You Nobody can, wants uh, to watch Michigan State play basketball. No, no one should have to watch that. Um, you know, it's a shame Juwan Howard punched that guy or slapped him or really, you know, what? it's not even a shame that happened. It's a shame that Fucking who's the who, who, what's the name of the coach of uh Wisconsin? Ben, I'm drawing a blank. Oh man, uh, I can't remember his name either. What's well, a shame that he getting punished as well? Is that what you're saying? If if you call a timeout in this situation, yes, you should. That is that is bush league. 
That is coward. Yeah, but on the other hand, Howard was pressing through the whole game. But you're teaching your kids to play through the whistle. You're, you know, they're playing down. They're they're down by like what 15? Yeah, no, you don't like do that. that. You don't call a timeout. That's that's no time. Wisconsin was winning. I know, I okay. know, but they were up 15. Like, just give me a break. Yeah, I agree. There's no time left. Um, do you have any mid-major games that you're looking at? I really didn't look at the mid-major games just because all of these blockbuster games really stood out to me. I mean, these are huge games involving top 25 teams in the uh, in the country. Yeah. I mean, my, my Rams are going to Utah State. So, I mean, that's going to be a good game. Um, that's at 1030 Eastern. So, if you want to stumble back from the bars or maybe if you're uh, getting back off the parade route, if you're watching this in New Orleans, have a good, happy, safe Mardi Gras, and you want to stumble in, bet on some college basketball, you know, maybe maybe take the Rams as, as a small uh, underdog. I think they might be an underdog. I don't think also, so. Also, I think they will. You also got Boise at the house Jordan McKay built in the Thomas and Mack Center um, playing UNLV. So that, that's going to be a huge game for Boise. Boise's got to keep stacking the wins. Uh, UNLV's not really a bad team. They're 79th in Ken Palm, and you know they're around that. They're them. good at home. They're, they're a great home court advantage. So that's definitely a mid-major game to have your eyes on. And also Loyola-Chicago at Northern Iowa. You know This is a game Loyola-Chicago really can't lose if they want to you know secure that that automatic qualifier regardless of of you know just just getting in you know just getting that auto bid essentially without even making it to the conference tournament which i think they're capable of in terms of their resume so but besides that i mean there really isn't too many great you know mid-major games i mean la tech la tech goes to denton and plays north texas but la tech's kind of faded of late so yeah, really, really not too much going on, and uh, unless you want to watch Wagner at Bryant in complete degenerate hours, that is a great game. Um, I I might have that game on. That's gonna be a good one. So, but yeah, I mean that's that's really all for me. I'll definitely uh I'll have uh, some blogs up on the website and on uh, my Colorado State experience as well as my Colorado Buffs experience. Which um by the way, we have a website now, so visit us there on otlsports.net. Uh, I only have one blog up. Uh, it's on Fritz Pollard. It's a sports pioneer of the month. Every month I'm going to be doing a sports pioneer. So next month, Ben, I haven't, I haven't told you this yet, but next month it's going to be the first guy, as far as I can tell, who the school went ahead and hired his dad as a coach to get the son. You know, Incredible. LSU did this with Ben Simmons. They hired his like uncle, his uncle yeah. or his yeah. godfather. His godfather. Uh, Missouri did this with the Porters. Yeah. So I mean, it it ha- didn't didn't something like this happen with Mobley too? Yes, I believe hit, uh, the Mobley dads on the coaching staff. Yeah, the Mobley dads on the USC staff. So I mean, you know, who was the first one? As far as I can tell. The most notable one, and maybe the first one, might be someone that you're very familiar with. So that blog article is going to be out next month. Uh, we're also going to have, you know, some different in-game experiences. Anytime Ben and I go to a game or, you know, Ben might go to the NCAA tournament. So he'll definitely write about that and, uh, you know, share his experiences on the pod as well. But, we're, you know, we're, we're working on a few blogs there. on So on otlsports.net and also follow us on 
at on the line NCAA on Twitter. So I mean that's where that's where Ben unveils his bracketology. You know, it's it's great. It's really informative. He's pretty much always spot on with Lenardi. I like to think he's a little bit better than Lenardi, a little bit more informed. I hate Lenardi. Not, yeah, I mean you you aren't Lenardi. You're way better than him. You're, you're, are you an Andy Katz guy? No, I don't like Andy Katz either. I don't you like, like any of them. You don't like any of them? No, I, I don't like it. any of them. The only I one it. I like is the random dude I found on Twitter that was talking to me about bracketology. That's my guy now. That's that's my guy. Yeah. Speak, speaking of that guy, I, I hope you're following us on the pod. Hope you're listening because uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate anyone that that loves bracketology. But, but yeah, there'll be a new bracketology out tomorrow and then maybe some picks this weekend. We'll see. You don't want to hold off on bracketology until like Sunday? No, nah, because I haven't put out bracketology this week and I was waiting on uh, this. Uh, I was waiting on some of these games tonight, honestly, specifically this Oregon game. And a couple other words. So there'll be a bracketology up at some point on Friday. All right. Well, look for that as well on on the line NCA at on Twitter. So Ben, anything else for us? No, uh, I'll be in Mardi Gras. Don't know how in the world I'm going to watch college basketball on Saturday, but I'm going to try my hardest. Yes, yes, yes. So if you're going to Mardi Gras, please be safe. Please have fun. Um, remember to mix the water in there. You know, it doesn't hurt. A war doesn't hurt. It's does not, you know, no one's gonna no one's gonna call you any derogatory names if you throw water in there. It's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have a great time at Boulder. So as always, thanks for listening. Uh like, subscribe, follow us on at on the line Twitter, go to the website at otlsports.net, and yeah, thanks. See ya. See ya.